everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm going to be discussing drafting five color in MKM. As always, the notes are available to follow along at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. So getting into it, as I see it, the real reason that five color is so good in this format is because it allows you to play rares, like a lot of rares. And I was wondering how many more rares there actually are in the set because the composition of the new play boosters is somewhat new <laughs> at the very least and a little a little confusing so i tried to do a little bit of research and it looks to me like each pack has an average of a little under 1.3 non-land rares and then there's also a rare land uh, in every six packs in addition to that. This is based on a like blog post I saw that claimed that 30% of the time there would be an extra rare, 4% of the time there would be an extra mythic. One in six, so 16.6 .6 repeating percent of the time, there's a land. So if you subtract the lands and add the other stuff, it looks like 1.3 rares per pack which is appreciably but not radically more rares than there are in other sets with bonus sheets. I don't actually know the math on how many rares there are on average in a pack of Strixhaven, but I think it's fewer than that. Also, around 42% of non-land rares are multicolor, which means that there's a pretty good chance if most people at the table are drafting two colors that most players will have to pass most of those multicolor rares, especially in packs two and three. And that means that the rares are gonna go a little bit later on average, in addition to there being more of them, which combined means that you're going to see quite a few more rares, especially multicolor rares in an average draft. And so it's going to be a lot more consistent that you'll be able to build a deck around having a lot of rares if you can draft the mana that will support that. That won't always work. There are rares. There's a reasonable amount of uh, variance in how many are opened at the table. And also, if other people are taking fixing, they might be able to splash some of those rares, which is just more reason that you really, really need to prioritize taking the fixing, especially the lands that let people splash early on in this strategy so that other people at your table are not in a position to splash the rares that they open and then they're more likely to have to pass them to you and you're more likely to get to play more of them so if you want you could think of it like every land you take early gives you some additional portion of future rares and expectation by making it harder for other people at the table to cast those rares just something something to think about in terms of the pick order there. So that's kind of like the general why should you do this? Although for me, a lot of the time recently that I've been doing it, the reason is because I see Niv-Mizzet early in the draft and I know that the format lets me cast Niv-Mizzet. So I just take it because it's pretty strong and then I take the cards to support it and having done that a bunch, 
I'm starting to have a pretty good understanding of what things are important in these decks. So a little bit more baseline about the format as we're starting to, as it's starting to take shape and we're starting to get some decent 17 lands data. Red white is an early favorite by a lot. It's pretty rare for an archetype to win over 60% of the time, which red white is currently doing. That means that um, red white in general, I'm going to assume that the successful red white decks are aggressive decks specifically using the three different commons that make multiple creatures that are available to red white the detective that may the, the or the one one citizen that makes a detective for three in white the two two suspect that makes a detective for four in red and dog walker in red white the three one that flips over to make two one ones so it makes it very easy for red white to go very wide and then on the job the uh four mana instant that gives all of their creatures plus two zero and makes a clue if you curve out a few of those make multiple creature things and on the job, it's really, really hard for decks that are trying to engage one for one with your creatures to not be in a spot where they have to like throw away a lot of their board and or take lethal when you, uh, on the job. I might've misspoken, plus two, plus one. That means like the, the format can be fast. Um, looking at the 17 lands data on speed of formats, uh, this format so far has ended on turn nine on average, which is very, very, very slightly below the average term, which is probably more like 9.2 or something. So it's not, it's a, a, you know, pretty normal speed, slightly on the fast side. So anyway, you want a low curve, especially if you have a lot of powerful rares. Uh, you really just need to make sure that you're not too far behind and you have time to cast those rares and then those rares presumably are going to be able to take over the game. That's why you're trying to play them. So like in a lot of formats where you prioritize cheap removal, you're kind of trying to use cheap removal to generate a small game. And then often you want to pair that with some source of card advantage so that, you know, you kind of give yourself time to use your card draw spells and increase their relative impact on the remaining resources in the game and kind of win through attrition by killing all your opponent's stuff. Here, there's not really a lot of like raw card advantage, like divination type spells that are available or that you're interested in. Instead, you're basically just looking to not lose and then win on card quality by just playing the powerful rares that you have. Again, that, that's really what's going on. So bombs and removal is the basic archetype here. Um, that's the core strategy. That's the name of the game. So to jump around in my notes a little bit here, your basic general pick order is bombs. You, you wanna take these rares that are kind of the driving principle here, followed by fixing. Again, well, there's a lot of reasons to take fixing this highly. Both, it cuts other people off of playing the bombs as I was talking about. It lets you, it sets you up to take all of them. And also, uh, the set's pretty deep on playables. When you're playing every color, you're not really going to not have enough cards to play, even if you value lands pretty highly. And the next thing that you want is removal. And it seems that removal is generally going pretty late in this format. There is a bunch of like pretty good and pretty cheap removal that decks like the red-white deck I was just describing are not very interested in which means that 
if you take a like piece of fixing over a removal spell, you'll have other opportunities to find a removal spell. So it general it generally feels pretty safe to not be super selective about which removal spells you take and just value it, but not more than uh, the key fixing, and it'll work out. When I say the key fixing, what I really mean is the lands. There are several different kinds of fixing available in the set. There are the surveil lands at rare, the clue land at uncommon, which is pretty good, and then the five color land at common and the evolving wilds escape tunnel at common. And in addition to the lands, there is the colorless 1-3 gargoyle thing that can filter colored mana. That is a playable if your mana needs the help, but not a priority, a gravestone strider. Um, you don't have to take it highly because basically no one else is going to want it. You don't want very many of them because you, you know, it's an acceptable locker, but if you draw it when your mana doesn't need the help it's not it's a bad card you can get that pretty late you can play one or two of them but you really should not be prioritizing it and then there are three common mana fixers in green there's nervous gardener which i think is the best of them that's a two mana two two or if you morph it you can or disguise it you can spend a green flip it over and search for a land with a basic land type notably if you have gardeners, you should look for surveil lands that are not green, and then the gardener can find two of your colors at the same time. There's also Topiary Panther, which uh, has basic land cycling for one and a green, and then it's also a 6-5 Trampler for six. And then there is They Went This Way or something like that, which um, searches for a land, a basic land, and puts it into play and makes and investigates, which is... I think the worst of them because of how crowded threes are in this format, but I think the five color deck can be drafted to have a lot of twos and then that and then some uh, expensive things and it can play pretty reasonably. But I don't think that you need to fight over the green cards too much, um, especially if you have some of the lands. You just don't really need all that many spells dedicated to fixing unless you need them. You don't want your deck to be all those green cards. Um, so it's reasonable to take premium removal over those green cards and then the green cards kind of over most other stuff. So after you have your bombs, your fixing and your removal, you're looking for cheap creatures that block well, especially two drops, but also you know three or four mana creatures that block particularly well. Maybe they have evasion. Maybe they have flying or reach or some kind of uh, inherent value. Cold case cracker does uh, multiple of those things at the same time, but it's barely. It's not really cheap. Uh, after that, more expensive creatures that block well, like cold case cracker, and then all other creatures. You do really want to prioritize uh, creatures that block well specifically, like um, you know. I think the uh, I think red herring is a pretty good card, but not something that you want in this deck because you don't really care about getting some early damage in. You're basically just trying to live and win with whatever it is your rares do. Among cheap removal, uh, instant is a lot better than not instant, but two mana is a lot better than more than two mana. So, for example, I think I prefer the black. Uh, sorcery edict to 
murder because murder is double black and more mana also i prefer it over like the white instant that kills a high power creature artifact or enchantment though that's also acceptable the edict is very good in general like murder is going to depend on whether black black is acceptable early on i will not i, I would prefer to take something like a galvanize over murder because it's going to be easier on my mana and again being able to use two mana at a time is very valuable but all of that stuff i would not be unhappy to have in my deck not all bombs are rares like i would consider uh coerced to kill the blue black three uncommon control magic that makes it a one one and gives it death touch to be an, a bomb for our purposes overall you're looking to have uh, a low curve like you want to have i think 10 or more cards that cost less than three mana the number of cards that cost more than three mana that you want is basically just whatever bombs you get that cost that much plus any other like premium cards but you're looking to not play filler that costs four or more mana because you just really don't want to fall behind and you're not looking to spend more mana to have something that's like a little bit more powerful you want all of your more expensive plays to be these like rares that are a lot more powerful among the common lands relevantly um, if you look at the win rates for the common lands on 17 lands you'll see that escape tunnel is a much better card than public thoroughfare in general in the format it's a much stronger card however in five color uh, the stats flip public thoroughfare actually has a much better win rate in five color than escape tunnel having a single land that covers all of your colors when you're trying to actually play five colors rather than needing to pick which color you want to be able to cast uh, can be really really big i've certainly had spots where i'm playing five color and even though i can search for two different basic lands it's still really awkward to cast my spells in a way that it wouldn't be if i just had a public thoroughfare so public thoroughfare i think it's pretty dangerous to play four of them i think you probably would be happy to play three of them I might take my first escape tunnel over my third public thoroughfare, but uh, public thoroughfare should be considered better than escape tunnel at most stages of the draft while drafting five color, which means it's very rare that you want to pass a public thoroughfare if you suspect that you're going to be playing five color. The uncommon split cards, just cater just in general, are very good for this archetype because they're all pretty like very easy to cast and let you do something useful for not very much mana so flotsam and jetsam and season desist are solid two mana plays that put something good in the graveyard for collect evidence and can do something stronger uh later in the game push pull is uh premium removal like roughly the best removal spell because push is very easy to cast pull is very strong um it's another way to have like something useful and cheap that also gives you something like really strong to do in the late game uh and then the other two 
Foss and Bother. Foss is not very useful in this kind of strategy. It pumps attacking creatures. Bother is nice, but not great. I'm not really looking to play Foss and Bother. And then the other one, uh, the one that makes something block or pumps your team, I think you're not really interested in at all. So I guess three of the split cards are good. One of them is great. One of the three is one of the three that are good is great, but uh, the other the two that are not great you still want pretty highly, uh, just because of um, their flexibility and utility in collecting evidence. In general, you are not looking to prioritize common discover creatures because. You would like to play something larger than a 2-2 on turn 3 because you're looking for some for a way to be ahead rather than at parity or behind in those early turns to maximize your chances that you get to the later stage where you can play your good rares. That said, sometimes you are going to want to play disguised creatures. You just like won't see other good things or whatever, and some of the disguised creatures are fine to cast at other points in the curve. If you are going to play common disguise creatures, they should be chosen from among Dogwalker, the uh, red-white 3-1 that makes two dogs, Fairy Snoop, the blue-black 1-4 that uh, looks at two cards and puts one in your hand and one in the graveyard, Gadget Technician, the blue-red 3-1 that makes a 1-1, and Sanguine Savior, the 2-1 lifelink flyer that can give something else lifelink when it turns over. Those ones are the most efficient to flip over, the best for, sorry, this is specifically among the gold commons. There are other disguised creatures that you want, including Nervous Gardener and higher rarity cards, but if you're going to be playing generic multicolor uh, disguised creatures, you want these ones rather than the larger ones because of the immediate value like it's basically it's better to get some kind of extra value than to have a big creature um and the red black one that kind of gives you extra value is a little too expensive and uh the extra blocker offered by walker and technician technician is kind of you know extra life just very useful sanguine savior can give you a big life jump to buy you a lot of time um and fairy snoop uh, blocks pretty well and gives you extra cards, which is the kind of thing that a controlling deck is looking for. Because there is mana fixing in green and you're usually going to need to play it, you will you should expect to have more forests than other basic lands in your deck, which means that you're going to want your early plays to be green where possible. The Tunnel Tipster is acceptable but not ideal. Uh, because it's more mana that's never fixing. Like, you have to have green to cast it, and then it taps for green. So these, if you're playing a bunch of uh, fixing, you're kind of playing extra mana sources, and you want the extra mana sources to help you have mana variety. Uh, Tunnel Tipster doesn't do that. It's still useful just because of being a two drop and getting you ahead on mana is a good way to not be behind but the the mana that it's giving you is a little bit worse than it looks uh if your like fixing situation is iffy or if you're playing like a lot of other like i'd rather have a nervous gardener than a tunnel tipster 
and I would accept that sometimes I'm just going to play the Nervous Gardener as a two-drop if I don't need the fixing or if there's any risk that I'd be falling behind or if I don't have another two-mana play. Similarly, I'm a pretty big fan of the green 1-3 reach uh, with Collect Evidence 6 that gains two life and puts a plus one plus one counter on something just as a way to have an early blocker that can give you a little bit of value in the late game. It, it's helpful if you can choose a secondary color that you're usually going to like look for that color of mana after you have your green um, and then you can play early creatures in that color but it doesn't always work out that way and it's not always necessary. I talked about prioritizing surveil lands to go with Nervous Gardener to make it better fixing. Also if you can find green surveil lands then those can make Flourishing Bloomkin, the uncommon that searches for two forests. They can turn that card into fixing. It's not very good in five color decks if it only finds forests, but if it can find uh, lands of other colors because you have uh, one or especially two uh, green surveil lands, then it actually becomes a really good card in these decks um, since they kind of want a high forest count a lot of the time anyway to make sure that your fixing is on. So Flourishing Bloom, Bloom can, can be very bad or very good, mostly as a function of the presence of uh, surveil forests in your deck. Case of the Shattered Pact, the uncommon uh, two mana uh, case that searches for a land, is really, really strong if you can solve it. If you don't expect to be able to solve it, it's playable but not good mana fixing you would generally prefer not to play it you'd rather play like a topiary stomper whatever it's called panther i don't remember instead and then if you can solve it it's game winning the easiest ways to solve it are with niv mizzet you can also use a killer among us which will give you every color except black if you have a killer among us and case the shattered pact in your deck so a Killer Among Us is a very good card that's not very good in five color because uh, it needs you to attack to like really get what it's offering. However, the interaction with Case of the Shattered Pact is good enough that if I have Shattered Pact, then I want a Killer Among Us. And then if I have both of them, I want to prioritize just kind of whatever cheap black permanents I can find to uh, make to optimize to maximize the chance that I can complete the solve the case when I have a killer among us. The other way that you can solve Case the Shattered Pact is with Leyline of the Guild Pact, which is not a card that I want to play, uh, even if I'm five color. Uh, notably, it's particularly awkward with Niv as it turns off Niv's triggered ability. Um, you will never have a card that's exactly two colors while Leyline of the Guild Pact is in play. But if you have particularly multiple Case of the Shattered Pacts, then I think Leyline of the Guild Pact is good because it uh, fixes your mana in general and also automatically solves Case of the Shattered Pact and doing that so strong. There are a lot of strong uncommons that are uh, build-arounds, um, cards like Chalk Outline and Detective Satchel uh, that ask you to do some work and give you some kind of engine as a reward. I think that you do not want to prioritize these or intend to play these or draft around these in five color decks. You have enough to juggle as is 
looking for your fixing, your removal, and your bombs, as well as making uh, your early game coherent, that you don't want to also be looking to complete the uh, package of synergistic cards required to make those cards work. Uh, this also applies to most cases. They're generally asking you to do some particular thing that isn't the thing that you want to do, um, such as Falcon at least. You generally want to try to draft your deck to care as little as possible about basically every synergy. If you have a really strong rare that pushes you to care about um, a creature type or something, you could, but for the most part, you are really just looking for fixing bombs and removal uh, in your five color decks. There is a completely different deck and way of drafting that is synergy deck that is drafted around one of these cards that happens to be playing five color. There are some, for example, Insidious Roots decks that will end up splashing cards of other colors and playing uh, five color. That will happen when you're drafting around such a card and you happen to see fixing late and you happen to end up with very powerful cards of every color. More likely, those decks are going to end up being two to four color. The key here is the synergy decks need to be drafted as those synergy decks and then from there, they can splash other cards. What you don't want is to be drafting a five color deck, um, like one where you take uh, Niv early or do any of what I'm talking about. And then part of the way through the draft, like late, late in pack one or early in pack two, try to get in to one of those synergistic cards and bend your deck to support it. If you are in a place where you start around a synergy card, it is okay to adopt extra colors as appropriate uh, while drafting around your core synergy. If you are starting from drafting five color good stuff or bombs and removal or however you wanna think about it, adding in heavy synergies as an afterthought part of the way through the draft is a recipe for a train wreck. So there will be times when you can play build arounds like Insidious Roots in decks that have five colors of cards, but usually the workflow there is going to start from the synergistic card and spiral out into more colors because the draft happens to lead you that way rather than start from five color and narrow into a synergy. I think, you know, if you are already in a space where you have good rares, you should expect to have enough power from the natural stuff that your five color deck is giving you rather than trying to increase your power level by chasing these build rounds. I think that this point is very important even though it's kind of weird that you can, you know, I'm saying you can end up in a five color deck, but the, like the path matters, but I, I think it really does. And uh, I will cover paths toward drafting around uh, the synergy pieces later, 
and will likely comment on how easily each of those decks can splash and how to do it in other episodes. But this is a specific archetype that is best when it avoids trying to do that kind of thing. And I think that basically covers um, my kind of core points and thesis about how to draft uh, these five, how and why to draft these five color decks. So that's going to wrap it up and I'm going to turn it over to chat for questions. As always, while I'm letting people think of those and uh, give me questions to talk about, I want to thank my newest patrons. So thank you very much, Rod and Igor. Appreciate the support. As always, uh, everyone else, um, check out patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes if you are interested in supporting the podcast and uh, getting some of the benefits offered there. For details about what those are, it's easiest to just go to patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. I do still offer uh, coaching and discounted coach coaching rates there, uh, as well as some other perks. Um, have I been able to make much use of Aftermath Analyst in my five-color decks? I have done some of that um, because it is uh, a base green card that is a good blocker and does some amount of fixing by itself and is especially good with Escape Tunnel. Aftermath Analyst is the one in a green, one three, ETB mill three, uh, spend three in a green, sack it to return all lands from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, it, it, it is, I think... Uh, it's probably better to think about it more as a cheap creature that blocks well than as actual fixing, but I have liked having it in my five color decks. Does the drawback on public thoroughfare impact my deck building in any way? I do certainly prefer to have uh, cheap um, artifacts, especially clues, if I have public thoroughfare, but uh, I wouldn't say it has a large impact on my deck building. Some portion of the time you're going to take off turn two to play it, and that'll be okay. Some portion of the time uh, you're going to find another way to handle it. Any cards that are generally considered very good, but for five colors should be avoided. Anything that is good specifically because it attacks well, or that is good despite requiring several mana symbols of the same color uh, or is good because of the ability to deeply support its synergy or is good because it's efficient like it's a good two drop but it's gold and of colors that are known to not be your primary colors would be um, the kinds of cards that i might not prioritize even though they're strong how do I interpret the low win rate of Flotsam and Jetsam? It is certainly weaker than push-pull, for example. And in general, it is best in... like It wants to go in uh, slow decks and or self-mill decks. And I suspect it is primarily played in self-mill decks which I suspect have low win rates in general due both to their not being as 
strong, I think, as um, you know, like the Boros decks, but also and very importantly, being much harder to draft and much easier to like just not have things come together properly. Imagine you open a bomb, pack one, pick one, say Aurelia's Vindicator, pack one, pick two, you get an off-color duel. Do you take it over a decent on-color card to pursue five color? Um, I would say that a lot of that just depends on the preferences that you expect to have for the rest of the draft and uh, like how a per like how meaningful the on-color card is. If you have exactly Aurelia's Vindicator, I think it would be reasonable to take an off-color duel land or just like a good common Boros card, depending on where you like to end up. Am I taking Thoroughfare and or Tunnel over top split cards, push-pull early when you already have a reason to be uh, in the five-color direction? No, I, I think um, unless it's late enough that I know that I need the fixing, I would take push-pull specifically over Tunnel and Thoroughfare. Push-pull is pretty close to bomb category for me, but uh, I would be taking the... like Similarly, like it's close between... Like, I guess early on, I would take Thoroughfare over Lightning Helix if I'm, sh like, pretty sure that I'm going to be five color, but I would not take Push-Pull, or, but I would not take them over Push-Pull because Push-Pull is so much easier to cast. I'm surprised by the awful stats on Illicit Masquerade, but it's uh, one black pip, uh, makes it easily splashable in black and can recycle bombs. Why do I think it performs so poorly? I don't know why it performs so poorly. It obviously requires some amount of setup. In my experience, it has not required very much and has played really well. Again, I think that it's just that um, what has succeeded early is the decks that are extremely straightforward and very easy to understand, very easy to draft. And that's like these Boros Agro decks and Illicit Masquerade, I think, um, both want some amount of effort to set it up, and the like green-black decks that are best at setting it up are, again, I think, most difficult to draft. So I imagine some combination of its potential to let you draw your cards in the wrong order and its potential to lead to just like mistakes in drafting, um, or just the archetype could just fundamentally be that much worse than the other decks. If you're low on haymakers like Niv after having a stable mana base, would you look to pick up ways to protect your bombs with recursion or hexproof effects, or would you be fine looking for generic and top-end common uh, flyers? So I did play a deck that had some bombs and tried to protect them with um, the two-mana blue flight uh, that gives hexproof. And after playing it, I think my conclusion is that I would prefer not to play that card again. I would rather just like have other cards, let my opponent kill my rares and try to have more rares to play rather than trying to set up spots where I can protect my creatures. It just makes like the uh, having the mana available to do it um, is not easy and it leads to a lot of potential awkwardness. I've gotten into trouble playing disguised creatures like Duckwalker, Gadget, and Gadget Tech when I'm only solidly in one of the colors, essentially making them double pipped to flip. Uh, what kind of color distribution effects 
uh, my willingness to um, play these sorts of cards uh, one way or another. So because so many of the fixing effects, like almost all of them, ask you to search for a land, I really want to avoid um, something like murder that costs black black because I don't want to have to search for my second swamp. But uh, because all of these things that you're saying function as double pip, like usually I'm looking to find both mountain and plains. And so I will end up flipping dog walker for red white most of the time if I'm five color. Certainly if one of them costs uh, two colors and they're the two colors that I'm, are my lowest priority, I would uh, prefer not to play that and to play a different morph instead because dog walker, fairy snoop, gadget tech, and sanguine savior cover a lot of different colors. You can usually find ones that fit your mana base pretty well. I would say, and you know, if you have to play it as a morph and just trade it off because you're not close to being able to flip it rather than trying to flip it, I don't think that's the end of the world. So I would say, you know, your mana base should inform which of those you play, but five color can like support them collectively pretty well. How highly do I recommend picking each of the three wrath effects for this deck? Uh, when you see them, you should take them. They are all exactly the kind of rare bomb that I am looking for uh, in this strategy. How highly I would take them is over everything that is not a better rare bomb. Do I think this strategy benefits from drafting with worse players on Magic Arena? And how well do you think it would translate to high-level paper draft? Do not think that it suffers from drafting with worse players because I would expect better players at this moment to know that um, two-color aggressive white decks have done pretty well and that uh, multicolor and black decks have not done so well, and for them to be trying to get into the stronger decks, uh, especially in spots where they're playing uh, high-stakes matches. And so despite the fact that this is possible, I do not expect it to be popular, and I think that the cards that I want will generally be available for me. In what situation would you expect to go into five color early compared to three to four when I have five different colors of bombs and or premium removal spells? In both cases, I'm prioritizing fixing early and uh, taking good cards regardless of color. And then it's just a matter of like, it happens to like, at the end of the draft, I might go like, oh, I actually only have one white removal spell. I will just not play it or the planes, but I'm going to draft the same way. How many fixing cards is enough? So this is an interesting question. You are looking to have nine lands that give you green mana. And then you're often looking to have pretty close to nine ways to get each of your other colors of mana, acknowledging that you're going to be double counting a lot of sources in pretty unfair ways. So you'll count your Nervous Gardener as a land of every color except green. There's going to be some amount of wiggle room here in terms of like how much of a source is Gravestone Strider, 
and how much like less fixing do you need if you have public thoroughfare than escape tunnel and do you really need nine sources of the single color that you are playing the fewest cards in no often the answer is that you basically want the amount of fixing that you can get and then you make it work as well as you can but while you don't know like if if you're not sure what you should be targeting and how highly you have to prioritize stuff i think a solid baseline is look for nine lands that tap for green and then counting all of your fix nine ways to get each of your other colors and you should be pretty safe and i don't think so as far as cards that cost two of the same mana symbol especially if that mana symbol is not green i think that they basically need to be bombs to play them except possibly for like you can choose a single color that you plan to do that for but you need a really good like it's better to not do that you could choose black and you could play two murders and um one of the five mana three three the eliminator that sacks the thing to exile something um and that would be acceptable or if you have uh, the white or black wrath then you could also play some other card that needs double white or double black but for the most part you should place a very very high penalty on the second symbol of a color and uh like note that it existing is dangerous for your mana base um, especially if you are relying more on escape tunnels than public thoroughfares Ezrim is a great question. So Ezrim is the uh, is a very, very, very powerful bomb. Uh, Vein Ripper is another one that's roughly the same situation as Ezrim. They're both very strong bombs that have a lot of colored mana symbols that uh, are not green. Ezrim and Vein Ripper would both make me less likely to try to draft this deck. I would try to play fewer colors if I had drafted those cards. And if I do have them and I'm trying to play this deck, they will make me prioritize public thoroughfare and uh, graves, um, uh, gravestone strider much more highly than other fixing because the fact that you don't need to choose a single color and that they can fix for the second pip of that while also fixing for cards that are not their color uh, becomes really important. I think that it is conceivable to build a five color deck with Ezrim or Vein Ripper, but uh, unlikely, and you would generally be better off not trying to do it. Um, Buried in the Garden is a card that I haven't talked about a lot, but um, goes a really, really long way, um, much like Strider and uh, Public Thoroughfare. Uh, Ezrim and Vein Ripper become way more castable if your deck has like multiple buried in the gardens, uh, for example. Um, but uh, while you can kind of just recklessly throw Niv into your deck, um, those things that cost a lot of the same color of mana are actually uh, very difficult. I think that covers things pretty well, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, I'll be back next week with uh, 
some other archetype. Uh, so given the date of recording, uh, happy Valentine's Day to those who uh, celebrate and are not listening and are listening to this live. And I'll see everyone next week. Uh, bye for now. Prepare for light speed.